Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Real fitness isn't just how you look. It's how you feel. If you want to get stronger and healthier, and most importantly, feel good, then make yourself your number one priority. Make yourself job one. I'm Jennifer Jacobs with Beachbody, and my job one program isn't like anything else you've tried. Job One is easy, effective, and for everyone. 20 minutes a day, five days a week, allowing you to put yourself first so you can be your best for others. Just go to Beachbody.com and you can try Job One today for free. Hello, and welcome to the Proactive Caregiving Podcast. As a CPA with over 20 years as an industry accountant, Jessica stepped away from the corporate world to become a full-time caregiver for her mother. Having learned invaluable lessons along the way, she is now here to share those with you and to invite you to join her on this caregiver's journey. Here is your host, Jessica Cannon. Hello, everybody. I'm so glad you're here with me today. I am the proactive caregiver, and I specialize in educating others on how to be proactive by empowering you, the caregiver. If you cannot take care of yourself, then you cannot take care of your loved one. Well, brace yourself, Effie. I'm going there today. (laughs) Having the sex talk with mom may not have been as funny as this line delivered on Mrs. Doubtfire by Robin Williams, but it brought about another reality check even though mom is now living in stage six of the seven stages of dementia we still had to have this talk dementia may cause the loss of many cognitive functions but the natural human response to sexuality and intimacy remains i experienced the moment I never expected to have because I do know how to read between the lines. I also knew I had to sit down with mom to figure out what she really wanted aside from the shock factor. Moments of aggression with more sex talk are starting to increase with mom, unfortunately. This topic is often overlooked though, because it's frankly uncomfortable and embarrassing to others. A spouse longing for connection might welcome the change, but an adult child or staff in memory care communities, for example, may find the sex talk offensive. You know, during stage five, I spent days pleading with mom not to talk about sex in a matter that seemed vulgar and gross. Then there were some times that it was honestly funny and she absolutely loved that shock factor because a lot of times it was followed with laughter. Mom reminded me several times, there might be ashes in the furnace, but it's still burning. (laughs) She's still a woman with needs, basically, and I can't argue with her. I also couldn't give her um, tools for an opportunity to resolve some sexual frustration. So redirecting 
And once again, these conversations having to be redirected became an art. I needed to avoid the sex talk then. These behaviors add challenges to caring for our loved ones. So we must be prepared when this topic arises. So let's ease into this. Because when life gets stressful sometimes, we need a hug, maybe a little bit more. But what happens when we are too frustrated or overwhelmed because of our caregiving life, that we lose that desire and level for intimacy. That's to be understandable. But what happens with our loved ones living with dementia who have all this excess energy and they have no other outlets or ways to express sometimes? So they start to withdraw. But even in that withdrawal, the connection is still a human response. It's still needed. So what do we actually benefit? If we start small, what do we actually benefit from a hug? Believe it or not, and you may realize this, the next person you hug, the next warm embrace you're able to experience, that hugs boost our heart health. For that brief moment during that hug, fears are reduced. Pain may be reduced just simply because there's a distraction, there's a thought, there's a connection of energy from someone else helping to balance your pain and energy. It's a communication when they struggle to find the words and pinpoint what they really want to say Sometimes that hug says far more than any word that they can think of. And sometimes that hug reduces stress on both sides, especially for them, because you're showing them support. It is a very intimate space to step into. So keep that in mind the next time you hug someone how much relief you receive when you let go of that embrace. If you're wanting to let go of that embrace or if you're finding yourself wanting more and wanting to hang on to that hug even longer. So these are the natural areas that caregivers experience. So if they're the natural areas that we experience and we need, why would we assume our loved ones wouldn't still need them, still want them, regardless of the stage of dementia they're in, even in the later stages. Because that sexual intimacy is sometimes needed as strongly as you taking a breath of air. But when the sex talk starts to happen in a way that it has with mom, that includes some aggression, it's time to clue in. It's time to Pull your caregiver ears in a little bit more because this sex talk is also a form of communication that we know now as caregivers that we have to listen and read between the lines basically. So the day that mom said, 
I'm so horny it hurts. I naturally freaked out, but still tried to respond with a positive response because I didn't want her to feel like she was not normal in any way, but it did clue me into the phrase, I'm so horny it hurts. Hmm. It's time to have a UTI test ordered to make sure there isn't something going on down there. Past that conversation of what might be hurting from this need, mom also started to use these phrases that I only heard when I was in high school. Then I had to realize, how far back has her mind gone? So when mom started to say, I need the big D, and I don't mean Dallas. <laughs> okay. What movie has she been watching lately? Because that sounds like a line I've heard on a movie. But knowing my loved one, this didn't really match the conversation and, and some of the sex talk that we used to have when she was in her stage five. This was a little bit more vulgar and lent to the aggressive part of it because this also told me this kind of sexual expression, mom is more lonely than she's willing to admit. When we talk about what she really wanted in a man, I tried to get her, okay, mom, Let's, let's have this conversation. If I can have like a mail order bride kind of thing, if I can mail order your man, what would you want him to be? What would you need? I had no other choice but to entertain this topic. And then I realized eventually, oh my gosh, I'm having the talk that I didn't get when I was a teenager. When Mom's way of avoiding it was, you don't need a man. All you need is what you got right here. Not exactly what I wanted to hear as a teenager. But don't you know, I gave it right back to her. And mom said, nope, it's not good enough. And she held up her petite little tiny hand and said, my fingers aren't big enough. So... I realize at this point, the conversation's happening whether I want it to or not. Let's dig in, let's go for it. Mom, what kind of a man do you want? If I can order him and have him delivered up, what would you like? Hmm. Mom couldn't answer that question. She didn't respond with, she wanted a tall, dark and handsome man with any kind of body physique or height, weight, I, nothing. All she could continue to say was, I don't know, I just want the big D. So mom, humans don't work that way. Relationships don't work that way. Even if I could just order a random person, do you realize that's the profession that people are paid in? That seemed to be the only thing that swayed her mind just a little bit, but not entirely because she kept going. 
I don't care. I just want the big D. What do you expect to get out of that? And before, when we were in earliest stages, when this conversation usually came up, it was around hygiene. If that's what you want, mom, I will try and get it for you. But you have to focus on your body. Let's, let's get a shower. Let's get the mojo going. Let's get Stella's groove back. And she would still revert to, I don't need it. I don't care. So sex isn't what she really wants. It's another attention grabbing moment. And again, as a teacher, she used to say, negative attention is just the same as positive. We like the positive, we don't want the negative, but negative attention is still telling you something. So I had to now look at this through mom's eyes, somewhat as the teacher, somewhat now as a caregiver. I need to be the detective yet again and keep digging. Mom got to the point and she didn't care if there was a dumpster fire going on down there, if it meant she had to exert energy to get up and get into a shower. That shower exhausted her. That shower was more of a challenge. So this social engagement and trying to get herself into a moment where she would be presentable for a possible encounter, she just gave up all hope for that. Because when it comes down to it, your loved one might be hoping for a positive relationship, maybe hoping to enhance their self-esteem. Because let's face it, we all tried to fit in at some point in school, secondary school, or maybe even a, a new job trying to get know people and get in the know and be in the like and be on the good team. However it is, we seek that kind of attention. And so the sex talk is one way for them to seek that kind of attention. I know, and you may know, because you're the ones that are with your loved one, you know their day-to-day -day activities, you know their events and possible triggers for this kind of behavior. So you may have a little bit more of a clue. My clue is, I know that mom is the silly joker. I know that she loves to perform and get the smiles. And so going beyond this shock factor, I'm wondering, is mom feeling like she doesn't fit in? Is she reverting back to an age where she's trying to belong, feel like she belongs again? I don't see her experiencing the mean girl situation in school, especially because she's becoming the mean girl. But that is one area I did have to consider. Another one is because where aggression might be the defense mechanism, sex talk becomes the cry for connection. And it's an odd push-pull relationship there. They push you away or she pushes away and she tries to put this survivor facade 
that she's okay and she doesn't need anything or anyone. But again, that's not human nature. We want to connect. We need to connect. So being isolated or pushing yourself away from people and you do that long enough, it's that pendulum swing that comes back and you want to pull people back in. But unfortunately, when judgment and reasoning slip away, we don't know how to pull people back in. And for her, this has become her way of pulling people back in, unfortunately. Another delicate area is a senior who experienced sexual abuse as a child, for example. They may be reverting back to a time when their body was used inappropriately. There may be a challenge of reconciling reality and knowing how to respond appropriately. Because that was part of my conversation with mom, trying to get her pressing in to get a positive description of what kind of man she would want if it could be, if they could be provided to her. Her comments kept coming back so vulgar. I said, wow, mom, you must have had male figures or guys in school that talked ugly and talked very disrespectful about women when you were growing up. And she suddenly becomes this little girl in face and voice and says, yeah, some of them got raped too. It breaks my heart at that point because while I'm getting a phone call that says your loved one's acting out and we don't know what to do or these are the options, we need your guidance, I felt the need to explain. These are areas that need to be considered. These are areas that I've experienced to where in other situations, when mom is acting this way and when they laugh, it's an encouragement for this kind of behavior. But if you redirect or not laugh from it and even try really hard not to show the shock, then hopefully that behavior is seen as, oh, well, I didn't get the response I was looking for. Maybe I'll stop. Because when I asked mom further into that conversation, why is this so important to you? Her response was similar to the aggression and saying, I don't know, I'm bored. Hmm. So you think having a man in your life will make you less bored? But when they ask her to join in in activities, she is so quick to complain and withdraw. She doesn't want to do them. And that tells me the ability to do them scares her because she can't do some of the things she used to do. Maybe she's noticing it, maybe she's not. But the activity may not be giving her the kind of connection she needs. And the other sad part is, 
when your loved ones live in a community. Now, everybody has to be aware of what kind of contact takes place. Because the sad thing is, is when it comes down to it, when a person with dementia makes a comment about an unwanted touch in any kind of way, whether it's warranted or not, it has to be investigated. And so the disconnect there of what's actually happening to our loved one versus the person who is trying to help them, it might be perceived as something other than help, which is sad, but it's not uncommon. So unfortunately, we reached a point of having to approach unwanted behaviors, undesirable behaviors with medication. For the longest time, the attempt to avoid having to provide medication, every opportunity we took, we took if it meant avoiding medication. But we've run out of rope. We've run out of opportunities. The decline is still there. The progression towards the end is something I have to accept. It is something that the staff accepts. Other residents may not understand any more than mom does. So when sexual desires become inappropriate and the languages are inappropriate or advances become an issue and still inappropriate, medication is that last resort because dementia, especially the, form that, the forms that mom is living with, they are irreversible. She is going to continue to decline regardless. So in this case, medications like Depakote are available. That's something that is helpful for people who struggle with social anxiety and also with the manic behavior of the manic depressive disorder that mom also lives with. Sertraline is something that's prescribed for what is called SAD, or social anxiety disorder, or PTSD, and depressive behavior. So there has to be this balance of what to give and when to give, and how to give, because that is yet another area when you have someone like mom who starts to go towards this depressive side of this, shortly after the manic side of behavior, then there's this, this willingness to let go, which means she's showing and expressing more of a readiness to let go of life itself. And I say that, but let me just say within the hour of our conversation, mom was already talking about going shopping. So no sooner that she mentioned she was ready to let go and she's done with being in this world. Within an hour, she says, let's go shopping. So how do assisted living staff handle this kind of aggression? And I want to bring this up in case you are in that process of looking for the new home for your loved one and concerns are there. Many 
concerns. But this one in particular, because asking the question, how does your staff handle aggression, is a valid question to ask. How does your staff handle sexual behavior towards intimacy is also a valid question. Because the problem there is if the staff in the communities have little to no training, then we have to rely on what their attitude is towards sexual intimacy. If they have negative attitudes, for example, towards sex and sexual expression, it may be very difficult for them to assist our loved ones and still maintain that positive attitude towards them. They may feel that the expression of sexuality from the adults living in these communities is wrong or unnecessary or embarrassing. So like what I did with my own mother, I avoided it as much as possible until I had to face it head on, no more avoiding. They may be doing the same thing just because they don't know any different. Getting that conversation going, yes, you're gonna have to push past that uncomfortable feeling, but once you do, you open the door for communication, not only with your loved one, but with the staff and anyone else who cares for your loved one. Because let's face it, even if your loved one is not in a community yet, and you might be lucky enough to have another caregiver come over to give you that respite care, if that caregiver is unprepared for that type of behavior, you may lose the only outlet you have for respite care especially when it takes time to find people that you feel comfortable with and trust to be with your loved one while you get a much needed break. This conversation for me was one that was incredibly eye-opening because one, I never thought I was gonna have this conversation with mom. And two, the moment she said, oh my gosh, I can't believe we're having this conversation, it opened yet another level of communication for mom and I. To be friends, not just mother-daughter. Having a conversation about masturbation and uh, tools for assistance. I can imagine having that conversation with my girlfriends, but with my own mother, hmm, a little awkward. So if you find yourself needing to have this talk, the talk with your loved one, then I want to give you a few things to consider. Just a few, because you know your loved one better than I do. And I know my loved one. So there may be far more things to consider, but these are some basic ones. So think about your loved one's day-to-day -day routines and the medications they are taking. Have they started a new medication that might by chance have a sexual side effect? Or is it time for their current medication to be adjusted? Because that was another area. Every time mom's medication was going well and the fact that she was being given medication to take regularly and the results 
were regular, then when her weight changed, for example, or enough time being on it, her body adjusted to the point that it suddenly, the behaviors, the ebbs and flows came right back and it was like, okay, it's an indication. It may be time to increase the dosage of something because when she started this two years ago, her body weight was X. Now here it is two years later and these changes are coming back again that used to be and now she weighs so much more. So maybe her body needs an adjustment to an increase in dosage. Another thing, what I mentioned earlier, um, could your loved one be experiencing a UTI and unable to express it for some reason? As they progress further along their journey in living with dementia, sometimes pains that they feel in their body, they don't express it like they would have before. And sometimes they may not be registering something that's painful, but for whatever reason, they're withdrawing and you don't even know it, or they're, they're more excited, they're more aggressive, and it's not their norm. Has your loved one experienced a stroke, maybe diabetes, arthritis, or other illnesses? Because sometimes the need for normal and normal connection or being reconnected with your loved one may be expressed through that sexual connection. That may be something they're trying to express to you, but don't exactly know how. And again, is it possible? I need you to think about or do the research, look into your loved one's history. Is it possible they experienced sexual abuse as a child? They may be fading, but the body still has that muscle memory and you may find yourself in a situation that they're reverting and they need your help to step through and feel comfortable with what's appropriate and what's inappropriate. It may be that moment that they need to hear healing thoughts towards what happened. It may be the first time they ever expressed it out loud because they didn't when they were a child. Are you in a later marriage, perhaps? Your loved one might feel the need or pressure even to perform to keep the connection, the spark alive. Sometimes we turn away from our loved ones when they're experiencing illness. We may be there as caregivers to be by their side, but we may turn away from them in that way because we see them as being fragile therefore denying them the option and opportunity for them to say if they want it or not, if they want that level of connection or not. And another area to consider is, has your loved one had any kind of removal of like prostate or testes, uterus or ovaries, you know, both sides, it goes both ways. Has there been an amputation of a limb possibly even a breast? Have they had a colostomy or ileostomy procedure? The body heals differently for those not living with dementia, but still may cause a reaction with a need for sexual intimacy as part of their healing process. So consider those as a few areas. Like I said, you know your loved one more. So 
there may be other areas that stand out to you right away and you're able to connect the dots a little bit more easier. And so <laughs> for those caregivers who find yourself feeling just emotionally drained and overwhelmed, where you are pulling away from that opportunity to connect in this kind of a way, I have a few things for you to consider as well. Knowing what mom was talking about, I realized there are some benefits she's no longer benefiting from when it comes to having an orgasm. Orgasms on both sides for men and women help us relieve and reduce high levels of cortisol. The elevated cortisol levels, they can suppress our immunity, which contributes to heart disease. We don't want that. When you're able to achieve an orgasm, you also get triggers of oxytocin surging through your body, which is the cuddle hormone. And it also gives you the prolactin as a relaxant hormone, which helps us sleep better. And surprisingly, orgasms help women regulate their menstrual cycles. For those of you that are still experiencing them, it helps regulate them between that 26 to 33 day. And the HGH that's released during an orgasm, it helps to stimulate the collagen for that healthy skin and that healthy glow after a nice O. I told you I was going to go there. But more importantly, having sexual connection and being intimate, it is a form of exercise. You are increasing blood flow. You are increasing blood flow throughout your body, but the orgasm where exercise helps to increase blood flow and to certain parts of the brain, an orgasm actually helps to get that blood flow to all parts of the brain. So whether you are willing to enjoy a moment and have me time by yourself, which is normal, or you have a special loved one to share that moment with, also very normal, I highly encourage it. Because whether you're having that sex talk with your loved one and trying to get through that comfortable moment, or you're trying to relieve yourself from the pressures and tension that caregiving brings to you, there's a benefit all the way around for everyone. So I hope this gave you more food for thought. Until next time, be proactive. Take care, everybody. Thank you for joining us today. We really hope you've enjoyed this episode. To learn more about proactive caregiving and to hear other episodes of this podcast, please visit www.jessicalizellcannon.com. This podcast is produced by Canon Light Media, LLC, www.canonlightmedia.com. Music provided by Chris Paradise.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 